all good. You know, I was um, worshipping this morning and sometimes we just get into the spirit. Sometimes we just, you can feel the Holy Spirit just moving in our midst. And we prayed downstairs this morning that that the Lord would have his way today and that we wouldn't get in his way. And uh, I believe this morning that, that God's already done a great work in us this morning. See, we, we, we come into church of a Sunday morning and we're all at different levels um, <clears throat> of where we are in life. Some of us come in with a heavy load. Some of us are here to worship and raise our hands and praise God. Some are here with, a, with, with worries and torments. Some are here that needs praying for, for, for ills, for, that needs healing. Some of us have here and have financial problems. We all come in different levels into the church service, but I believe this morning that something has happened in the spirit already. I really believe that. The chains have been broken this morning. The prayers have been answered this morning. That your needs have been taken care of this morning. And so me preaching the word today is probably pretty irrelevant, really, because the work of the spirit's been done. But we're going to preach the word anyway because the Lord says preach the word in season and out of season. And we're just going to, we're going to forge forward because we believe in this church that not only worship is important, the word is important and that's what stabilises our experience in God. Do we all believe that? That's got nothing to do with what I was going to preach. But anyway, that's just a starter. Um... I'm going to read a portion of scripture. Last time I preached, I preached on lessons from a cave dweller. And this morning I'm going to continue that series, but I'm going right back to the beginning. And my title of my message today is Lessons from a Man Who Knew God's Heart. Lessons from a Man Who Knew God's Heart. Um, So we're going to read a portion of scripture. So if you want to turn to uh, 1 Samuel 13... And we're going to read a couple of verses there. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. So our pastor likes us to stand up and read the word. So let's obey and let's stand up while we read the word. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So you'll be able to follow it still. I'm going to start in verse 13 and it says this. How foolish, Samuel, explained. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father God, that, Lord, we believe that the Holy Spirit has gone before us Lord, we already believe and I've already said, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit has already done a great work in people's lives this morning and that we're going to just put a full stop in that, Lord. Lord, reading his word and preaching the word of God. And so, Father God, I just thank you, Lord. Just take over my mouth, Lord. 
Lord God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will work through me, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just touch people's lives, Father. Lord, make an understanding where they can't understand. Give them a revelation where they can't be, have a revelation, dear God. But above all, Lord, we want to give you the praise and the glory because, Lord, we want to see you do great works in this land and great works in this church. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Good stuff. Sit down and we'll just get into the word. Now, just to give you a bit of background on what I just read, we know that Saul was appointed king over Israel um, and that God said to, to, to Samuel, look, I'm going uh, to give you a king um, because the people want a king. So you appoint for the person you want and I'm going to anoint him. And so they anointed Saul. And so Saul's got into a few battles and here he is, he's just about to fight another battle. And Samuel has said to him, look, I'm going to come down in seven days and I'm going to do some sacrificing and then the Lord's going to show you what he wants you to do. And so, right, that's good. So um, it gets to one day, it gets to two days, it gets to three days, it gets to four days, it gets to five days, it gets to six days, it gets to seven days. Saul goes, well, Samuel hasn't turned up. And so I'm going to sacrifice myself, which was against all the Levitical laws anyway. But that was Saul. And so he, he, he sacrificed and then Saul come and said, you know what, you've just blown it. I said, wait for me because I wanted to sacrifice before the Lord before you went into this battle. And through doing that, it says there that the Lord was going to establish your kingdom. But now... You've blown it and he doesn't want you to be king anymore and he's taken the anointing from you and he's going to give it to David. And so we come here and in 2 Chronicles it says, the Lord, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This, whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the Lord this morning, wants to strengthen those whose hearts are for him, not who wants to do their own things. And so I want to point out three reasons this morning, three qualities why, why, why David was a man after God's own heart and Saul wasn't. And the number one reason was that David was kingdom-minded and Saul was worldly-minded. Now, there's no doubt that Saul loved the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But when it come to the crunch, when it come to the, the things in life that, that, that was against him, his first default position was, well, I better do something about this. I better do something about this. I wonder what the opinion of the world is at the moment. I wonder what the opinion is of men at the moment. And that's a lot of the, the problems with, with uh, Christendom today is that we love the Lord. We love the Lord. And we want to do the, what's right before the Lord. But when, the, when the, the hard times come, when the things come against us, our first default position is, 
I wonder what the world's going to say. I wonder what the opinion of the world is. I wonder what the news is saying at the moment. You know, I wonder how I can get out of this some other way. Whereas David was kingdom-minded. Everything he'd done was in harmony with the Lord. Everything that he wanted to do was in harmony with the Lord. And I was just thinking the other day, I was just thinking about the world and the the mess that it's in, the church. You know what? The church today is so obsessed with being relevant that it's not with the world, that it stopped being relevant with the word. I'm not saying our church, but I'm here, I, I keep my ear to the ground. I've been around this area for a long time. And some of the things that people are doing, I'm just wondering, I scratch my head and I say, how did they ever get to this place? How did they ever get to this place? And I've always thought over the years, I've thought, you know what, I've, I've, persecution's going to come, the persecution's going to come against the church. And we know that what happens over in the eastern countries, over, overseas, the people are actually being killed for their stand in Christ. But I, I believe, really, I'm starting to think that in the Western world, the church is going to be brought down by deception. We're going to, we're going to be deceived. And we, we're looking at, at, at the world for answers instead of to God for answers. And we need to learn this morning, especially in this day and age, we need to learn, number one, number one quality that the Lord seen in David was that he was kingdom-minded, that everything he'd done was wanting to be for the Lord, for the Lord. And he said in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The question I need to ask people this morning is the Lord really your shepherd? When you come here today and you're in need, is the Lord really your shepherd? Or is the Lord your shepherd until the hard times come? Is the Lord your shepherd until you need to find another way out? In the beginning of last year, I was, I was just praying and, and the Lord gave me three words. And it was trust, obey and rest. I had no idea what that meant. But it was just something that was quickened in my spirit. Trust, obey, and rest. So the Lord's saying in those three words, we need to just trust him. Sometimes his ways, and a lot of times his ways are not our ways, they're not the world's ways, they're God's ways. And we need to just trust that. And if God is asking you to do something like he has with Sue, he's, asked, she, he's, he's wanted her to evangelise for a long time. She has trusted in that. And now it's coming to pass, so he, she has obeyed. And now she can rest in that because you know what? God's going to do the rest. We can't do that. She has trusted, she has obeyed, and now she's resting. And I believe that God talks to every one of us every day of the week. We just don't always hear. Because see... The Holy Spirit speaks in a zephyr. It's always a still, small voice. And our busyness takes us away from the fact that God is talking to us. And we may hear something and we just get on with our lives. We may, the God, God may even be telling you a direction in your life right now, right this second. 
And because you're so used to just listening to what the world is saying, you're going to miss it. But God speaks to us that way. Trust. Trust in what he says. When I first picked this up last year, he said, I want you to go and see an old pastor, your first pastor, your first pastor that you were with when you first come to the Lord. And I just, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm in, in my prayer room and I'm thinking, Lord, I haven't seen this guy for 30 years. I, I wouldn't even know what to say to him. This can't be right. This has got to just be my own imagination. But you know what? I, I rung him up and we managed to meet up. And it was just like old times. Nothing happened, you know. Nothing happened at all. But I trusted in what the Lord had said to me. I obeyed it. And then I just thought, well, right, I'm going to rest in this. And you know what? After that, nothing happened through that experience. But after that, Lord started giving me more things to trust him in, bigger things. And today I'm, I'm in a different place than what I was two years ago. You've got to train yourself in this. Trust, obey and rest. Is the Lord telling you something today? Is the Lord whispering, is the Holy Spirit whispering something in your ear today? And you're going, no, nah, it can't be the Lord. can't be the Lord. But you know what? He's wanting you to trust him. He's wanting you to obey him. And then just rest in that experience. We don't have to rush it. If the Lord has asked you to do something and you're going to be obedient to that, you can rest in that. Another thing we don't do is we don't, we don't rest in, our, in that experience. We don't rest in it. If it doesn't happen straight away, we try and force it. We try and push it through. The Lord's saying, I'll do it in my time. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to obey me. And then I, I rest in that and I will do it. I look across this congregation this morning and I know that God's talking to each and every one of us in whatever capacity and whatever experience and whatever place we're in, God is talking to us. Don't ever think for one moment that God is not talking to you, that God has forgotten you because that is just a lie from the pit of hell. God is interested in you today. He's very interested in you today. It says that he looks throughout the earth seeing who's, who, who he wants to who has a heart after him, that he may strengthen them. God wants to strengthen you in your endeavours this morning. God wants to lead you in your endeavours this morning. He wants far more for you today than what you'll ever want for yourself because that's our God. So the number one quality was that he was kingdom, David was kingdom-minded. <coughs> and you know what I believe? As we read through David's life, now this is probably against all theology, but I was just thinking of this through the week. I believe David had a revelation of grace long before Paul had. I believe that David walked in grace long before the covenant was cut. I believe that David knew what grace was all about long before Jesus was resurrected. I believe he walked in that. And I believe he knew what the sin nature was all about. Paul wrote about the sin nature in Romans 7. I believe that David knew that also. He had a, a complete revelation of that because he was kingdom-minded. <coughs> what I mean by that, the, the other old men of the, uh, of the Bible, the, the patriarchs of the Bible, they all knew the Lord and loved the Lord and it was added unto them as righteousness. But they were coming to it from a point of view of the law. 
They knew that they, they that, that if there's something went wrong, they would burn a sacrifice and they would be made good before the, in the law. And that was added unto them, them as righteousness. But you know what? David, I reckon he, I believe he walked in grace. I reckon he walked in grace all his life. And he knew about the sin nature. And that was why God said to him, he is a man after my own heart because he really understands who I am. And people this morning, God wants you to walk in grace. He doesn't want you to walk under the law. He doesn't want you to be worldly-minded like Saul was. He doesn't want your first default position to be, I'm going, well, it's got very hard now. I think I'll revert back to what the world tells me to do or what the news is saying on the news. The world's a mess. You know, the inflation's high and the interest rates are high and this is high and... Oh, I better save me money and I better do this, better get a second job, better blah, blah, blah. You know what? The Lord doesn't want any of that. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. That's what he wants to do today. He wants you to be first default position. He wants you to be kingdom-minded, not worldly-minded. And that was the difference between Saul and the difference between David. And David knew about grace. And we know that he knew about grace. We see that wonderful psalm, Psalm 51, where he says, you know what? If you wanted sacrifice, I would make sacrifice. But what you really want is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Lord, that you will never despise. That's grace. That's grace. And when we make our mistakes and we're not in the right place we want to be with the Lord, don't ever sit there for long just wondering whether it's ever going to take place or not. Just get down on your knees and say, God, I've blown it. Or God, I want this to break through here. Lord, I just believe that this is going to happen in the name of Jesus and we rest in that. The moment you start trying to do it yourself, you've effectively taken it out of God's hands and you've put it in someone else's hands. It's not God's hands. The minute you do that, you become worldly-minded instead of kingdom-minded. The Lord searches the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I believe that the Lord will do anything that is his will for you in your life if you just fully commit yourself to being kingly, kingdom-minded. The second thing quality that the Lord's after for us to be Lord-minded, godly-minded, is we need to be people of humility. Psalm 78, 70 says this, he chose his servant, David, calling him from the sheep pens. A relationship was formed long, long ago, long before we see in the Bible, long before he wrote all those precious Psalms, there was a relationship born with God and with David. They, they say that the, the theologians say or the commentaries say that David was mining sheep as young as 10 years old. 10 to 15 years old. He was mining those sheep out there. And you know what? It got to the stage where his family didn't really even know that David existed. We see that when, when, when the Lord was searching for someone to become king. And he come to the house of Jesse and Jesse said, oh, 
Well, he's my number one son. No, it's not him. He's number two son, Samuel said. No, it's not him. And he said, is there any other people? Is there any other one here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got David. He's my youngest bloke. He's out there looking after my sheep. David was a servant from the word go. And he had humility. So he knew what it was to rely on God. Right from the word go. He knew that it was only the Lord who was going to give him the strength to do what he'd done. He knew that, you know, if, 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 if God didn't turn up, no one else was going to turn up. And when those lions and the bears come, you know, he was the one that, he, well, Lord, if you don't help me do it, I'm going to lose sheep. But he, he went after the bears, he went after the lions, and so, of course, when Goliath came, that was not a big problem at all. Because the Holy Spirit was with him. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was doing the work. He knew that God, he had total reliance on God. Why? Because he was kingdom-minded from the word go. Just a young kid looking after sheep. It says there in Acts 13, 22, And when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. Are we doing God's will this morning? Are we really doing God's will this morning? Or are we just trying to do God's will? And when it gets a bit hard, we say, oh, no, it's probably, probably not the Lord speaking to me at all. It's probably someone else. You know, it's one of the hardest lessons of all in life to learn. Hear the voice of God and then to do his will. So that's number two quality. Number three quality was he had integrity. David was a man of integrity. Now, we know that he was fallen. We know that he'd done all those dumb stuff. But basically, he was a man of integrity. It says there in Psalm 78, 71, 72, from following the hues he had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Now, you know what integrity means in the Hebrew? The word is thaman, T-H-A-M-A-M. And it means complete. It means whole. It means innocent. It means having simplicity of life. It means wholesome. It means sound. And it means unimpaired. That's, that's the definition of integrity. And integrity is what you are when nobody's looking. Integrity is not what we do on Sunday morning or when we're out in public. Integrity is what you are when nobody's looking. But you know who's looking? The Lord. And the Lord is looking for those who are solely for him so he can strengthen them and bring them through to a good place, bring them through to a, a solid place, bring them through to... The place that he wants them to be, integrity. And that's the three qualities that, 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 that the Lord looks for, for a man who is wholly sold out, and woman who is wholly sold out to the Lord. Three qualities. So now, God's method of training his servants. First off, solitude. So we've got to, we know the three qualities, kingdom-minded, 
humility and integrity. They're the three things that give us a heart that is the same as the Lord's. But he trains us in this. First off, he trains us in solitude. The Lord's methods of training is most always of cave life experiences. We spoke about the caves last time. Very rarely the Lord is teaching us while we're just having a good old time and while he doesn't, we don't need him and while things are going well. But in those times when we're, we're struggling, in those times when we, we feel as though we are in the cave, that's the first sign, it's solitude. That's when the Lord can speak to us. Psalm 91, we, you know, when we shelter in the Most High, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But the second verse is just as important. And, it's, and I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. In my God I will trust. In the solitude, God speaks to us, God does His greatest work in solitude. The second Second thing he trains us in is in obscurity. Character is built when no one is looking. No one cares who you are or what you're doing. No applause, no well done, but you're still doing it. And I just thank God for the people in the church that just go about doing their ministry. Like I was just thinking the other day of, of Mick. Just He just gets that stuff ready, make sure that the, the biscuits are ready and the cake's ready and the coffee's ready. No applause, no well done. But you know what, Michael, from my bottom of my heart, I thank you for that, Lord, because that is a servant's heart. And the people that help, help Mick. I thank, I thank God for Nikki that just gets up here and even though she's, whatever she's going through, the, the COVID and all that sort of stuff, she just wants to worship God and she just wants to lead us in worship. You know, no fanfare, no applause. The worship leader, I mean, unless you're like a darling or someone like that, the worship leaders of the church, they've got to lead us into battle every Sunday. So I thank Nikki and her team. I praise God for them. I just thank God for them because they are the most important people in the church, really. Pastor just gets up here and preaches. That's what he does because he's a good talker. But the Nikki leads us into worship and that is in obscurity. This is the training ground for, for the Lord to take us on to greater things. Monotony, just doing those same things day after day, day after day, day after day, no one looking, filing the right files, putting the right things in the right places, dotting the, the, the I's and crossing the T's, never trying to take shortcuts, but that is the training ground for God to do something in your life. Don't ever think that the things that you're doing for God are going unnoticed. But God is changing your character as you walk along. God is changing your character. He is believing in you. And if you just stay to where you are, stay what you're doing, God is going to increase. God is going to bring you through to a new place. God is going to do new things in your life. You know why? Because he can trust you in the small things. You know, when I first come to the Lord, I just wanted to be a pastor. I had no, no idea what that meant. Wouldn't have a clue. Tried it and failed. But I've learned since that God, you know, don't despise the small beginnings. 
I know that there's dreams in every one of these people's lives in this place. I know it doesn't matter how old you are. God hasn't finished with you yet. He's only just started. He's only just started. I'm not just saying that. He's only just started to use you. The older ones, the maturity you have, that's what you pass on to the young ones. It's not about debating the latest scripture or trying to, to force your opinion on someone for the older ones. It is just maturity. Glorify the name of the Lord and lift up the name of Jesus. That's your whole, whole purpose where you are in your life now. That's maturity in God. It's good for the young ones to debate scripture. We used to, I used to spend hours debating scriptures with, with people in college. Hours. I remember one day I was talking to Ross about this last week. We had an academic dean down in the Bible college. His name was Fred Lancaster. And he was, a, 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 he was our academic dean. And he was a, an uncle to Lindy Chamberlain. And so I was going through college when all that stuff was going on. And anyway, one day we were all having a debate down there and, and so he was up there doing something on the whiteboard, I forget what it was. And, and so we were having a debate between mid, pre and post-tribulation. That's good, you know, it's good for young people to debate about those things, it's good. You know, whether Calvinism's right, whether Arminianism's right, it, it sharpens your iron, sharpens, it makes you want to research. Anyway, we stood... We all went up to Fred Land and uh, up to the deacon. We said, um, Pastor Lancaster, we want to ask you a question. Yep. What do you believe? Pre, post, or mid tribulation? And he looked at us. And he just looked at us for, oh, probably, I don't know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And he just said, Where do you stand in Jesus? Where do you stand in Jesus? In other words, that is not what matters. It's what's your relationship with Jesus? You know, what's, who are you? In, do you are you a kingly-minded person or are you a worldly-minded person? Are you someone that wants to do something for the Lord or you just want to, you know, it's not about the debate. It's about where you are in Jesus. So monotony, continually doing those small things, even when nobody is looking. And the fourth thing is reality. And David said in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know what? If we can't take care of the bears and the lions in our life, we will never be able to take care of the Goliaths in our life. And it's only the Lord that can help us through these things. It's only the Lord that wants to help us through these things. David had great faith in Jesus. He had great faith in the Lord because he had assurance of what God could do for him. He had assurance in those fields when he was a kid trying to fight off the bears and trying to fight off the lions. So when it comes to the Goliaths, not a drama. It's just a bigger... You know what, when a bear stands up on his back legs, it would have been as high as Goliath. And they just want to maul you to death. And David used to chase those. Not taking my lamb. That's my father's. You know, even though no one's looking, I'm looking after my father's sheep. That's what I'm doing. 
obscurity, monotony, solitude. But the Lord was teaching him all the time. Reality. When facing dramas, is the Lord your first go-to? 1 Samuel 17, 34, 35 says this. Your servant was tending his father's sheep. That's solitude. That's obscurity. That's monotony. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock, that's reality. I went after it and attacked it, and I rescued it from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its spear and I struck it and I killed it. And that's where David was because he was kingdom-minded. He wasn't worldly-minded. And that's why God wanted him to be the king over Israel because he knew that whenever David was going to be king, things that the Lord wanted done for his people were going to get done by his people. I just want to share a story with you. This is... We read these Bible stories and, and people say, yeah, that was in the Bible, that was David. And you know what? Um, he was a special man of God and God was on his life and, you know, he, he wanted David to be a special person so he looked after him. That's never going to happen to me. I'm a, um, I've been following a man, you've probably heard of him. I, uh, some of you have, probably some of you might not. His name is Jimmy Swaggart. Now, I've been following Jimmy Swaggart since the late 70s. I used to get his magazine. And in some ways, he's a modern-day David. Now, when he was eight years old, he went to a matinee one day and he bought pretty, just about to put his, his money on the, the ticket counter and he said, the Lord said to me, I don't want you to go in there. I've got better things for you. And all his mates were there and he, he thought, I don't know who that is, but I'm just going to, it must be the Lord. This is, what, this is his own story. So he took the money away and his mate said, what are you doing? He said, I, I, I believe the Lord said not to go in there. I've got better things for you. And they all just laughed. They went and watched the matinee. He went home. And his grandmother said, what are you doing home from the matinee? Oh, well, I believe the Lord said to me, don't do that. I've got better things for you. And his, mother prophe- his grandmother prophesied over him, eight years old. And she said, you'll see people come to the Lord, multitudes come to the Lord that's never been seen before. Eight years old. At 15, he started preaching on the corner. And he said, you know what? I only had 10 minutes worth of sermon. So that's all I knew. That's all I knew of the Bible. So I just repeat the same sermon again for the next 10 minutes. And the same sermon for the next... That would make up 30 minutes. And I was done. And he'd done this for year in and year out. And he said he used to get dressed up every morning and expect someone to give him a call to say, I want you to come and preach for me. And you know what? Things started to happen over a lot of years, over a lot of years. You know, in the early 80s, he, was pre- he preached a service in a crusade in Brazil with 250,000 people in the auditorium, in the, in the um, stadium. 250,000 people. He was just obedient in the small things. God has placed something on his life. 
And even though all those days when he just preached by himself, no one listening, just on the corner there in his best suit, which wasn't very much, had no money, nothing. But he was obedient. He was in solitude. He was in obscurity. That was the reality of life that God seen him preach to 250,000 people. So anyway, in the late 80s, he fell. And so the AOG wanted to get rid of him. They just wanted to get rid of his credentials. And they said, you're not part of us anymore. Now, Jimmy Swaggart got up there before his church and in front of the television and he cried tears. And people say, ah, just crocodile tears. I have seen Jimmy Swaggart cry those tears every day that he talks about the Lord. The tears just shed. That's humility. And he, he said, I have sinned before God, but you know what? God has forgiven me and I'm going to get on with it. Now, the AOG had taken his credentials from him and even today, even today, people are trying to pull him apart. You get on the YouTube there and they're always saying, and Jimmy Swaggart's done this and Jimmy Swaggart's done that. You know, today he preaches into 159 countries throughout the world. 159. It costs five to six million dollars a month for this transmission and it comes in every month comes in every month he never he's just he's just faithful because he knows that god told him he needed to preach the gospel and today he reaches millions of people with his tv programs millions about six months ago i was listening to one of his programs and he just sent the he was up to three million bibles Three million Bibles that he had sent into um, disadvantaged countries. Three million, all paid for. All given to pastors and lay pastors throughout the world. Three million Bibles, all paid for and given. That's apart from the six million dollars he brings in every month to pay for his TV programs. He is reaching millions upon millions of people throughout the earth. He's an old man of 87 these days. And if you listen to him, he bumbles along and he's, 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 he's people who, who work with him, they're great men of God, they help him. Sometimes he forgets his birthday, sometimes he forgets what day it is. He'll get halfway through the program and forget what he's doing and he'll say the wrong thing. And they honour him so much, they all help him and, and, and put him right. But you know what, he gets up there to preach still at 87 years old. He opens his mouth and the scriptures just pour out of him pour out of him word for word from the bible now i just wanted to share that with you not because we should follow man but there is a man who is kingdom minded he fell david fell but he knew what grace was all about and that's what i said in the first place that you know what david knew about grace long before the covenant was cut david knew about sin nature long before Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 7. And that's why God said, he is a man after my own heart. And we have the ability today, wherever you are, whatever predicament you, you are in, whatever place you're in, whatever's in your life, whatever's out of your life, you can become a man after God's own heart. Because he is looking for people that he can use. 
especially in the last days. We need, he needs to be able to find people he can use. He doesn't want to find people or churches that are going to fall the, the latest craze or the latest thing that's going about. Pastor was talking about it last week. There's cosmos philosophy that's going through the churches at the moment. Sounds fantastic, sounds great, but you know what? It's deception. It's straight out deception. But if you're kingdom-minded, if you know God's heart, you will know when something is wrong and when something is right. And you know what? I live by the philosophy, and I've learned over the years, that what the Bible says is right, I totally agree with. And what the Bible says is wrong, I totally agree with that too. That's my mantra. I don't try to go outside that. You know what? If that's what the Bible says, it's right. I used to, I used to ride with a bunch of bikies and we used to get into, all, all the time, used to get into religious conversations. And they used to just start throwing this verbal trash at me. And I just said, I used to just say to them, you know what? I don't care what your arguments are. You can be arguing the best you can argue with. You can be throwing ideas at me and philosophies and, and, and values at me that, that you think are right. I'm telling you, the Bible's right. And when the Bible is right, it's right. And when the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And you know what? They had nothing to argue against that. They couldn't argue against that because that was my belief. I just want to finish up on this. It's the little things and the lonely places that we prove ourselves capable of the big things. Don't despise the little things. Don't despise those, those things that are going on in your life that you think are hard. When God develops our inequalities, he's never in a hurry. Never in a hurry. I can vouch for that. That God just wants to develop you. There was an old minister, he's an old Presbyterian minister who's dead now, but he had an old church, and his favourite saying was this, the conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. The manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. Let me read that again. The conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. The manufacturer manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime and I just want to say this morning as the, as the musicians come forward we'll pray for those people this morning who want to be prayed for because we want to see you going on for God and those people who are sitting there and thinking, well, God's never going to use me, that's just a lie from the pit. God wants to use you, but he wants, your, he wants your character built first. He wants you to be sustainable. He wants you to be able to, to um, not fall. He wants you to be solid in your faith. And sometimes it just takes that little bit. Sometimes we just have to just press in. You know, sometimes we have to press into God. It's, you know, it's that we abide, it's that Psalm 91, that we abide in the presence of, the, of God. That means we have to press in. That means we have to remain in there. It means we have to get into that, that, solid, that silent place. Don't rush God because you know what? It's not going to rush God. 
doesn't matter what we try and do, God will do for us what he wants done if we give him the chance. The big thing today is, what's my purpose in life? The big thing today is a purpose-driven life, a purpose-driven church. You know what our purpose is in God? It's to glorify him. Our purpose in the God is to rest in his love. Our purpose in God is to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. And you know what, Lord, I will be faithful in that. I will be faithful in the small things to say, I don't care how long it takes because I know that you are building character into my life. And so I just want to pray this morning. I just, I just, it's, it's, it's been a good day. It's been a day where I believe God's done something. And, and I, just, I just know that we all want that. We all want to have hearts after God. We just need to press in and believe. So I just, let's all just stand if you're ready to worship God. I'm just going to pray this morning. I don't know whether Michelle, Pastor Michelle, do you want to close off the meeting? But I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you today, Lord, that, that Father, I just believe that you have spoken into people's hearts this morning. I believe that, Father God, as people entered this place today, Lord, something has, has, has taken place in their life. Because you know why, Lord? Because we prayed it downstairs before the beginning of the meeting. We ask God to touch people's lives today. We ask God, Father, that people's lives would be changed today. We ask God today, Lord, that people would be healed. We ask today, Lord, that people's, the chains would be taken, the shackles would be broken, Father God. We ask that, dear God. And Lord, we just we, we pray that and we believe that the Father heart of God is wanting to do that always. There is nothing that he wants to do more than to love his children, to see them them thrive and to see them go on and do service for him, dear God. And Father God, we just thank you this morning, Lord. We praise you and we thank you, Lord, that you are continually moving in our midst. You are continually, Lord, doing a work. And Lord, it doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life, Lord. The God is continually moving throughout the earth. He's looking for people who will just wholly and solely be sold out to him. That's our prayer for us this morning. That's our prayer today, saints, that we are wholly and solely sold out for God. You know what? It's not going to cost us anything to be sold out for God. It can only bring us to a new place. It can only bring us to a new standing. It can only bring us to a place where we can start to speak into other people's lives and see them saved, see them separated for the service of God. We are in times, dear fathers, Father, that, Lord, the church is coming to a pinnacle, Lord. It's coming to a place where you are going to return. And, Lord, it's behoved on us, dear God, that we speak into people's lives and have the bride in place, Lord, the bride set up, for your return, dear God. So that's what we pray this morning, Father. Touch our lives, we pray. And if you want to come out this morning and be paid, prayed for, believe that the Lord is going to change your life today. Believe the Lord is going to touch your life today. Believe that God is going to do something in your life today. It might only be small. It only might be a small step. But God is changing you from something to something greater. If you allow Him to take the time to do it 
and not be worldly minded, not be soul minded, but be kingly minded, be kingdom minded and let God take control of your life. Thanks, Nikki.